0: So welcome to the next episode of the Muscle and Mindfulness podcast. This week, we have a very special guest in the, in a form of Sachin. Sachin, how are you doing? Fantastic, my brother. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me. I'm
1: looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, this this is somebody who I recently discovered on social media. Um, he talks about a lot about stuff which I'm very interested in, so, stuff which I believe um help me with the stuff that i am struggling with and ultimately things that um, i think a lot of my clients are struggling with as well so no doubt if you are on a journey to improve your health whether that's mental or physical then i'm sure you'll get some good insights from this talk and as well by following uh sachin as well so and we'll give us uh details at the end of the podcast but um yeah good to have you on man how's how's your day going so far
1: yeah, it's been good. Yesterday I went for a sports massage, so today I'm just um, recovering because that lady looks sweet and innocent, but she's like, she's kneading me like dough, you know, like really ironing my legs and stuff. It was crazy. But yeah, other than that, great.
0: <laughs> good, good, good. Well, the sports massages, they're the really tough ones, right? Hmm. Whilst they hurt, do you not find them quite, I find them relaxing. I think they're quite they hurt, but they're like, I feel good after. I yeah. was annoyed.
1: Yeah, I definitely felt good afterwards. My thing is, um, for a long time, I haven't liked people touching me, especially strangers. So, mm-hmm. like, I've had a lot of resistance going to get massages, but that's uh, that's falling away. So, I- I'm good.
0: Good, good, good. <laughs> Jumping the deep end there, having someone literally just rub you up and down. Yeah, good man. Yeah, good man. yeah
1: no, no better way than the extreme opposite. I- I'm a very extreme dude. I like doing <laughs> that.
0: good stuff good stuff um before we get into the conversation i'm sure people would want to know a little bit about you um how you came to be a bit about your story could you give us a brief uh, overview
1: yeah man so um i i started coaching back in 2016 and um It's been quite a wild ride, man. I finished university in 2014. Uh, I was unemployed for nine months, just sitting at home, playing PlayStation, smoking weed, normal shit. And um, my parents, I'm Punjabi, right? My parents were just not having it. They're Indian, right? Like like old school Indian style. So it's like, if you're not working, it's not going to be for very long. So I managed to to ride it out for nine months and then um, I ended up getting a job in a bank. And um, I'm, I'm notoriously difficult to unemploy. I usually get fired from jobs within three months. And uh, the three-month mark was coming up. And my manager goes to me, Sachin, why should we keep employing you? You're the last one here. You're the first one to leave. And you always smell like weed. Why, why should we keep you here? And I'll standing there like, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you, bro. Okay, I don't, I don't know. She goes, go away and think about it. Come back on Monday and tell me your answer. I was all right, fine. I go back on Monday. I was like, I don't need to be here. I don't think this is for me. And um, she tried to convince me to stay. And she offered doing some sexual favors for me. Now, I'm, I'm definitely, I was definitely into her looks, but she just reminded me of someone I dated who was very mean to me. So I said no. And then I went home and I asked my brother. I was like, hold on a minute, man. I'm, I'm confused about something. She's married. And she's offering to do all these crazy sexual things with me. What's going on with that? And he said, okay, this is my brother's wording, yeah, not mine. He's a very extreme dude, more so than me. He said, Sachin, what you just experienced is called, you know, like there's the walking dead with the zombies, right? He goes, what you just experienced is the working dead. Like they're, they're, they're at the desks, they're breathing, but they're just waiting to be buried, like they're already dead. And I was like, oh, crap. He said, yeah, if you want more of this bullshit, carry on. Keep smoking weed, keep hanging out with your friends, keep getting drunk and get hangovers all the time. Go on, keep carry on. But if you want something different, you can have it. And he, you know, he knows I'm obsessed with anime. And he said to me at the time, he was like, yeah, you love all this Japanese stuff. Wouldn't you like a lifestyle where you, if you wanted to tomorrow, you could take a flight to Japan and just do whatever you want. And I remember saying to him like, oh yeah, but I live in the real world. And uh, you know, that, that time was really interesting because I challenged a lot of what I thought was true by watching people's YouTube channels. Elliot Hulse, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Lewis Howes, Aubrey Marcus, J.P. Sears, a bunch of other people that I'm forgetting. But I just dove headfirst into educating myself about the opposite, about the lifestyle that I could be living. And then um, I started a blog um, on Tumblr back in 2016. And it was all about what I was learning on my journey of taking myself out of society, quitting my job, not talking to anyone. I cut off all the people in my life except for my parents and my brother. And it was really like it was an amazing period of time because I learned so much about myself and I gave myself so much. And um, yeah, what was really interesting was when I started sharing about what was happening for me, people started really vibing with it. And so someone messaged me, was like, oh, are you a life coach? Because I'd like to be a session with you. And I was like, what the hell is that? I went to go and look it up on Google. I found a course to go and do it. And um, I found myself on the course quite soon after that. And uh, as part of this course, they say you got to do 40 hours of practice coaching. It can be paid or unpaid, but you just coach for 40 hours. I was like, all right, cool. If this thing is going to be my job, career, whatever, I'm going to coach a hundred people for free and that will tell me if I want to do it or not. I might quit after 30 and be like, I don't want to do this. So I coached a hundred people for free in six months and it changed my life. It really like, that's how I knew I was made for this, but also it was like, okay, I'm actually good at this and I want to do it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it all came about. And since then I've coached hundreds of people. Um, I am one of the best coaches in the world, not as a brag, just as a commitment I live into um and yeah commitment is my favorite drug that's probably one of the things I'd, I'd want everyone to know about me
0: <laughs> oh wow so how long was a how long was the transition between somebody who thought you was living in the real world by having a normal secure job working in that place to the point where you you obviously challenged everything you ever believed and became a life coach because that's quite a turnaround
1: I think it was about two years, man. 2015-16, I dedicated those two years to doing a lot of work on myself because I realized I, w- I had a lot of problems. I was pointing the finger a lot, blaming the shit out of everyone. Oh, it's their fault, it's this fault, that, that. And just like judging myself and other people, just really like going there with the judgments, you know, making it like, oh, I'm not, I'm the only one who's good here, fuck everyone else. Um, and and that's a real that's a dangerous game to play you know um, it didn't yield anything except more resentment so um, yeah all of 2015 all of 2016 I just dedicated this time to getting real quiet because when you get quiet in here and you turn down the noise outside of you you can actually start to hear this and when I started hearing this I was like oh something, there's something, there's something interesting about that, like, this is pulling me in this direction of go and help people, transform yourself, stop hanging out with these people, stop doing drugs, like alcohol mainly, Um, and I'm just like, yeah, I haven't smoked cigarettes or drank any alcohol for seven years, and everyone around me was like, no, it's normal, it's normal to do, you know, to do these things, and it's condoned, and it's it's encouraged, and uh, yeah, in those two years, i just, I, with, I didn't talk to people for almost four years at one point right 2015 16 17 I hardly talked to anyone who wasn't a client or a coach and um, it just taught me a lot about what I actually want I don't want to have hundreds of like meaningless acquaintances that I call friends I don't want to bond over judging people I don't want to numb myself to something that, I, that I'm feeling um and i definitely don't want to breathe and call it living i want to really live it to the max and um that was important for me man i think it's important for everyone to really get clear on what you actually want and i didn't know i just i, I there was what i thought i should want and then what i actually wanted and what i thought i should want was like 100 percent volume what i actually wanted was like one percent volume and as soon as i turned this down and this up my life changed drastically
0: hmm. Mm. and you said that obviously four years without talking to other people and was that literally just so you could turn down the volume on the outside and focus on the inside because myself as well I find myself always especially with the schedule I told you how busy my day was today um, and my mind is so hectic I'm always on go 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 what's the next thing to do but I've come to realize that my mind isn't necessarily the best thing that I should be following or it hasn't got the best ideas as to what's true to myself. And uh, I'm only just starting to understand the importance of literally slowing down, meditating, getting past my thoughts. like just uh, not past my thoughts, but you know what I mean? Just letting them flow and just getting deeper and deeper. And um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been great for my mental peace and just for like the direction to go. So um Yeah, well, um, I'm thankful that you uh, are on that journey and you managed to make that transition because 99 times out of 100, when people are in the story where you were, they probably continued that that way, right? And I'm sure if things were different, you would probably, you might have stayed in that same position. Yeah,
1: if it wasn't for the mentorship of my brother, uh, who was refusing to watch me throw my life away yeah that would have been me i would have just carried on and uh he he took a real strong stand for who he could see i could be he could see that a lot was possible for me and he's my first mentor without realizing it it wasn't a formal arrangement it was just like hey watch these videos do this listen to this and it was like i want to be that for other people Mm -hmm. so yeah most of the time people don't but it's not because they're incapable there's a bunch of reasons but the main one i see is no one is missing any how-to no one's missing any knowledge gaps this can fill in all your knowledge gaps yeah iphone whatever google's got all the information the reason why most people don't have what they want including me back then is there is no commitment and bridging a commitment gap requires transformation it requires you becoming
0: different Mm. Mm -mm. which kind of brings me on to my first question for you um, which is you're a life coach and you help people. And what go what mainly goes into that? How do you help people?
1: The great question, brother. Um, so I don't really ever talk about how I work. Um, because it's like if not if someone's never eaten an orange before and they don't have any reference point for sweet or citrus or like the orange flavor, how are you going to describe it to them? It's it does, it's it's just gonna sound like a concept until they bite into the fruit and they're like oh this is orange All right, cool it's kind of the same with this but I can tell you a story um and, and maybe, yeah maybe that will help so um I'm I met uh what, okay let's let's I'll, I'll use one of my most recent client stories I met someone recently and she said I want to be I want to be this badass kickass coach that I know I can be and part of what I do is coaches hire me to help them grow their businesses. So um, uh, I asked her, okay, well, what what does that look like for you? And she said, well, I want to be charging, you know, strong fees. I want to make a hundred grand a year. And I said, okay. And uh, she's like, I want to call people out on their stuff. I want to have strong client relationships like I see you do. Um, You know, I, I want a different kind of business. I said, all right, cool. So how is that different to where you're at right now? And she said, I'm charging by the hour. It's just, I'll take what I can get. Um I've got really, you know, crappy relationships with clients, it's just within the hour and then they go and that's it, and it's frustrating and it's long and blah blah blah. So all uh, right, cool. So again, no knowledge gap, there's a commitment gap. You you are right now you're committed to this badass kick-ass coach thing when you feel like it, which is never. And if you're if you're living your life according to your feelings, Feelings and reality very rarely overlap. They're two distinctly different places to come from. So the reality of the situation is you can be that coach. If you commit to it, you charge the fees, you create relationships differently, you start conducting yourself differently in a, in a different realm of professionalism. The feelings, oh, how do I know someone will ever pay it? Well, if people are paying me, I charge between three and 30,000 pounds for one-on-one coaching. If people are paying it, it means that your feelings of who no one will ever pay it are not valid. They're not, they're not, uh, they're they're incorrect, as in like they're an incorrect representation of reality. They're not an incorrect thing for you to have. That's your experience. No one's trying to take it away from you. This is an example of how I work because after we had that conversation, this person started showing up to their client sessions differently and creating people, uh, creating relationships with people differently. So that, that's one example. Um, I'll give you another example real quick. I hosted a three-day intensive uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's my first intensive and I had, the, oh, I had so much fun, so much fun, it was yeah. amazing.
0: Online, I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it, was, it was incredible. The vibes in the room were just, yeah. I, I hand-selected 25 people to come to this who I knew were gonna get a lot out of it. And I had conversations with everyone before. We had a private Facebook group, my dad attended. Um, and he didn't, I said to him, you can't attend as my, like my cheerleader or my dad. Yeah. You're going to pay it just like everyone else. And you can only attend, like if you're actually going to do the work and he did. So one part of this intensive, I'm talking about this distinction of is right. Our generation has this funny little saying that we like to say it is what it is, brother. Right. Let me, let me give you an example of it. Right. What is this? camera lens there you go. Okay. the the lens cap right now it could also be a coaster for a very small cup so is it a camera lens a cover maybe but you can't just like boil it down to one thing it could be multiple things it's the same with people right there is distinction is very important So I hear this all the time. I've coached hundreds of people and I hear this one regularly. You don't get it, Sachin. My mother-in-law is difficult. But all right, let's slow that down for a second, Chief. If she is, yeah, if that's just, she's just difficult, then no one around her would ever experience her as anything other than difficult. But I can guarantee you there's people in her life who would describe her as the opposite of difficult or maybe a, a different word. She's not just difficult. You can experience her as difficult, but as soon as you is her, you're fixing reality into a tight little metal box that can't. you can't do shit with that. You can't open it. You can't mold it. You can't me- fold it. You do not do shit with it. It's just, she is that way. That's it. And then who's fucked because of that? You're fucked. You've is her. So now you're sitting there like, fuck this bitch. I don't want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And you've got an attitude about it because you've ised her this is an example of how we fix our lives into situations and circumstances that we don't want to be in she just is that way right and what's the opposite if she occurs to me as difficult then this isn't a language thing by the way i don't know i was not gonna start walking around stop saying is it's, it's not the, the problem of the language who the language is the part of the iceberg that's showing above the water who we're being when we use this language, is the part that you can't see that's under the water. So um, who we're being when we is people, we're fixing and binding reality in place, when in re- it, reality is actually far more malleable and pliable than we think it is. So, difficult mother-in-law. Okay, we're not trying to deny events. If she called you a mean name, yeah, she did. Let's not, we're not trying to lie and deny life and put a positive spin on things and hopefully you'll feel better. No, that's stupid. What we're looking in the direction of is, okay, she occurs to me as difficult. Do I want to create her as a difficult person or do I want to create her as someone I want to experience differently? Because I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. So... My mother-in-law... I'm not married, by the way, but I've seen this hundreds of times, yeah? If my mother-in-law is showing up with me as difficult, she... Is, I am not who I think I am, right? She's not... She doesn't think she's difficult. She's responding to what she thinks I think she is. So if she thinks I think she's difficult, she's going to show up with, all right, well, Sachin I'm difficult. I'm gonna. I'm going to be like this with him, because fuck him. You see? like, But if she thought that I thought she was loving and a great person and fun to be around and you know she has the capacity to be loving she's gonna show up with me with that it's like if i think you think i'm stupid i might come up here trying to overcompensate trying to sound really clever i might have put a shirt on underneath my hoodie today you know like there's a bunch of things that i could have done to overcompensate but i'm showing up with i think you think i'm open to having a cool conversation and that's how i'm gonna roll you know, like, th- this whole thing about is and occur. like, take the language out of it. It's who we're being underneath the language. Who we're being when we fix and bind reality in place is restricted, bored, frustrated. You see this with people with, in, in jobs. You see it with businesses. Oh, my business is difficult. Well, apparently we're in a recession, right? I'm having the most profitable months I've ever had in business. This is the best year. I'll be making between 185 and 200K this year. Uh, As a coach, I don't do anything else. I don't have any other sources of income. And people are asking me, well, why is that happening for you? And everyone else is struggling in the recession. And I just got one answer. It's who I'm being. I'm not making, I'm not fixing the recession as it is difficult to make money. It doesn't have to be. I'm not fixing dating as it is difficult because I've got trust issues. And oh my God, I used to, but I'm not anymore. You see, this is, the, this is like the ultimate pinnacle of performance language. What we're talking about right now, performance doesn't just mean if you have a business, it's in the workplace, it's in your relationships, it's in your health, it's in your finances. I used to have a terrible relationship with my parents. I was blaming them for a lot of stuff. Maybe someone in the audience can relate. Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know. But, you know, I used to blame them for everything. And then I chose to create them differently. My mom is the best events organizer in the world and the kindest person I've ever met. My dad is the most open and coachable parent in the world. Now, when I show up with them thinking that and creating them as that in my world, guess how they show up with me as that? My mom gives me ideas for events. My dad asks me to coach him on stuff. You know, like, it wasn't this way before. If anyone in the audience has, like, you know, if if your parents are not from England, if you've got that immigrant mentality kind of thing going on at home, you know what it's like. They ain't open to hear stuff. But when we change, something
0: happens to everyone around us. Okay. Wow. That was a very good explanation without definitively telling me what you've done. And I'm I'm not going to try and summarize it. But, but what I am going to say is that part of your job is helping people realize that who they are showing up as and how they see the world aren't necessarily fixed or reality. And part of what you do is help them understand that we can change who you're being and how you see things, and that will ultimately affect your results as well. Is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Hundred yeah. percent, and and also I'd add to it by saying this: um, I don't, you know, psychology, um, counseling, therapy, coaching, most of it focuses on the human, right? Like your human condition of your brain, maybe your genetics, your behaviors, blah blah, blah right? I I maybe my coaching is about five percent of the human, ninety five percent focused on the being. I don't see anything else. Any of these other healing modalities focused on being, and that's why I call myself the Lamron Coach. Lamron is the word normal flipped backwards. I'm working in the opposite way of most things. You know, someone said to me, "I don't feel confident. How do I how do I sort that out?" Okay, well we're gonna drop the concept of confident. How about that? That, that that's not uh, that's not a tactic. I'm not saying it to sound cute or intelligent. I just really, that's how I work. We're not gonna look in the direction of building you up. Because when you were four, you didn't need confidence. That's when you were really being. And then a lot of things that we think we want fall away. I used to want to be the, like, I went from 65 kg to 85 kg in three months back in 2015. I was bulking like a motherfucker. And it was a dirty bulk. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. It was dirty. (laughs) Yeah, it was dirty. You know, I was eating like six times a day and I was just trying to get as big as possible. Now, as soon as I started looking in this direction, all of that f- didn't make sense anymore. So I stopped doing it. I like working out. I'm building muscle. I'm I'm having a good time doing it. I like being lean. I don't want to be the fucking wedge guy that can't fit through the door. No, I used to want that because I thought my feelings would come from something external. But doing never delivers the feelings we expect it to. It's really funny how it works. If I, if I If I'm naturally enjoying myself with the workouts I'm doing or the sports that I'm playing, my shape will reflect that and I'll just have a good time. It's not I'm not doing those sports or those workouts to have the body. I'm doing them because I enjoy it. I'm I'm in the gym because I enjoy it. I like it. It's good for my mind. And everything, all the the doing stuff creates your having results. So there's this distinction called be do have. Who you're being your all of your doing comes from who you're being. So if I'm being oh, I need muscles to feel good about myself, my doing is going to reflect that and the results I have in my life are going to reflect that. So I could be in the gym six days a week and in my having, I might get injuries. I might have a lot of inflammation. I might find it hard to talk to people. I might be depressed. It's going to come from my doing and all of my doing is coming from this sped up way of being. I need to get somewhere. I need to get somewhere. I need to get somewhere. But if my being is, this is it right now. I can have all of the feelings that I ever want to have after accomplishing something right now. All my doing is going to reflect that. I'll be pacing myself. I won't be rushing. I'll give my, my body time and uh, the space it needs to recover. And the results I have will reflect that. So it's, it's, um, this is what I'm referring to when I say I coach the being. It's not, I'm, I'm not really, I don't want to get caught up in five things you can do to fix your anxiety. No, it's looking in the wrong direction. From uh, you know what, when I say wrong direction, let me clarify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this
0: is, this I, was, is a, I was like, oh my god, Don't challenge my ways of dealing with anxiety. Sorry, go yeah. on.
1: Yeah, this is this is important. Yeah, wrong, right? What do I mean when I say wrong? I'm interested in performance, right? So, when I say wrong, what I'm looking in the direction of is effective. When I say wrong, the opposite of effective is okay maybe not the opposite but a different way of looking at effectives is helpful so two distinction a distinction between the two things if i'm feeling tired and i don't want to go to the gym it will be helpful for me to lie down for a bit but it will not be effective to lie down for the whole day and not go to the gym same with dealing with anxiety if you got so if okay I don't believe in the thing, but if you think you have social anxiety in massive inverted commas, then you might find it helpful to avoid crowds, but that is definitely not effective at getting rid of this thing that we call social anxiety. If you, if you don't like vegetables, it might be helpful for you to get athletic greens. I don't even know. I've never tried it, but my mate swears by it. Um, but it might not be, it's not effective for eating whole vegetables. I used to do this thing. I'd get a cheese grater and a carrot, and just grate the whole carrot, whack it in a box. Every time I have a salad bowl, put some carrots in it. I didn't like carrots, but I'm, I'm being told to eat them by my nutritionist, so I'm gonna do it. It's effective. The effective nature of performance. That's that's what I'm looking in the direction of. Where I came, you know, um, I had this client. Let's call him John. John hadn't left his house in four years. He doesn't play video games. He's not watching TV, he's not watching movies, he's not doing stuff at home. He's just in his head beating the shit out of himself for stuff he did in the past. And the doctors are telling him he's got treatment-resistant bipolar disorder, in massive inverted commas. And there's nothing we can do about it, uh, conveniently. <clears throat> so he comes to me. He's like, Sachin, I've, I've, I've got to do something about this. I said, all right, cool, let's talk. He hasn't had a good night's sleep in four years. He hasn't left his house in four years. do not do anything. By the end of this phone call, he was taking a walk around the block, and he was uh, folding the laundry, and he, his mom called me a couple of weeks later, and she said, I nearly had a heart attack when I came home. I thought he'd hurt himself. She goes, he had cooked and done the dishes. He put the bins out. And she goes, what the fuck did you do with him? I said, look, it wasn't me. All I did was point him in the direction of helpful and effective, and change his relationship to the thoughts he's having. You can't control what you're thinking about. You can, can you can, if you see truth in the thought, it becomes your reality. And this is, uh, we're curing his disorder, which he doesn't have. We're curing it because we're changing his relationship to thoughts. And the problem with the 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 way that our society is is it reinforces victimhood. When he was saying, "I don't feel like going to work because I'm having thoughts," um, he told me like. The doctors were like, yeah, you got a problem. Instead of challenging the way he sees his world, which is what we do. So just giving you a bit of background about how I get down.
0: That's a really good explanation. And um, the reason why I actually got you on this podcast and I wanted to speak to you is because um, obviously I'm a coach who helps somebody. uh, I help people get healthier, right? Lose weight, look the way that they want so they can feel more confident and whatever. Whatever they want to stem from that. Ultimately, just to live a better life. But I find that some of their biggest obstacles aren't practical things. It's just their own ideas of themselves and their own ideas of what they're capable of and what they can and can't do. And the whole reason behind my business, the whole reason behind this podcast is, I think you mentioned something similar to it, um, is that a lot of coaching businesses and a lot of people just try in general, to work from the outside in change the outside to make them feel better about themselves but i think a lot of the meaningful a lot of the most impactful work a lot of the work that's going to make the most difference is learning how to change your relationship with yourself and ultimately once you get a good understanding of that once you recognize like you said your thoughts are not your own uh, your emotions don't have to control you That's when you really get to a point where, okay, these changes can last longer term.
1: Yeah, I'm only interested in, um, that's why I don't really look at stuff to do. I'm only interested in creating long-term sustainable change, and it's not one and done. I've been investing in my own coaching, being coached by the best in the world for the last five years. I've got a session coming up with the ultimate coach, Steve Hardison, He charges $10,000 for one session. I've got it coming up in a couple of weeks, and you can't do it over the phone. You have to go to his office in Arizona to do it. The reason the reason I bring this up is because there's a difference between I'm going to work with a coach to see you know to change some stuff and there's a difference between I'm hiring this coach to get me to help me get there where I'm going anyway but I want to I want to have support and help along the way. And when people come to me I'm not working with just anyone I'll, I'll, I'll actually make a lot of referrals. This year, I think I've made about 50 referrals to other coaches who I'm not getting a referral fee. I don't get anything financial benefit out of it. The reason I make so many referrals is because I don't wanna work with people who are hiring me to see how it goes. I'm working with people who are dedicated and committed to what they wanna create and I'll help them with that. And there's a big difference. And I'm not judging the other stuff, but it's, there's, there's a caliber of client that I will work with and they have to be like myself, committed and commitment transcends feelings i'll give you a great example of this i said commitment transcends feelings yeah it goes past them just like brushing your teeth hands up okay me and you can do this but hands up who if they had a thought or feeling wouldn't brush their teeth because of the thought or feeling all right neither of us put our hands up for anyone who's listening this is what it it looks like to be committed People do this with their kids all the time. I don't feel like dropping them to school, but who else is going to do it? All right, I'll do it. I don't feel like. Doesn't matter. Here's an example of what it means to be committed. And most people. This is the the reason why most people will never have what they want, because they their commitment is like it's for the metaphor is like it's written on a, a piece of paper, like a you know like receipts are written on like very thin paper, yeah. That's like what most people's commitment is. It's written on a very thin piece of receipt paper. And then their feelings come along and bleed all over it. And the paper disintegrates and you can't even see the commitment anymore. Whereas when people create what they want, their commitment is solid, carved into rock and and, uh, placed front and center on top of the mantle. And as a declaration, as a manifesto of who the fuck they're being in the world. How about that chief? That's what the fuck time is when we coach, when we work in this way. That's what the fuck time is. We ain't playing around. Not met. And this is also, yeah, just having said all of that, this is not about shutting down your feelings. We get to feel it's a privilege. It's a beautiful thing. I never want to get rid of it. I love love. I love sadness. I love anger. These things, and I don't, you don't know, try and use them to do stuff. It's a privilege to feel it. If I wanted to be a robot, I'd go and get uh, fucking depression medication. There you go. Shut down your feelings. No. When I was younger, I went to uh, therapy. And they started chucking all these uh, words at me. Bipolar, schizophrenic, paranoid, delusion. Um, by, what was the other one? St- uh, chronic anxiety. Fatigued an- from anxiety. Depressed. Right? And I go, all right. I'm just chronic. P- uh, was it C- uh, complex PTSD? And I go, yo, how the fuck is this supposed to help me? Yeah, give me something I can do. How can I get rid of it? Oh, there's nothing you can do. You can just you can manage it. I thought, you know what? Fuck that. That's stupid. That doesn't sound right to me. So what did I do? I looked in the opposite direction. They're telling me it can't be cured. Let me go and look in the opposite direction. I typed into YouTube, cure for depression. Started finding lots of spirituality. Um, like I read the Quran. I watched a lot of videos about Buddhism. I le- learned a lot about philosophy. <clears throat> Lo and behold, starts to go away because I had to change how I was getting down in the real world. So I'm not, I'm not here to deny that people have feelings. I've had it too. I've had like that, I never wanna get out of bed. I've had, I don't wanna look forward to my life. I've had this tight knot in my throat, chest and stomach for years that never went away. I've had the, um, You know. Uh, what's it, that sinking feeling. When you think about what's coming up next in your life, tomorrow, na- later on that day, when you have um, a performance meeting with your manager, when you look at your body and you think, ugh, what the fuck is this? Disgusting. I've had all of that. I was in a relationship with uh, this girl, I was trying to get out of it. Her dad was a police officer. She kept. I was 18, right? It was the first relationship I ever had. Didn't know any better. She goes, if you try and break up with me, I'm going to tell my dad you tried to do all these horrible things to me. So I stayed in that relationship for four years. It got to the point where she was drugging me on a regular basis and doing all kinds of fucked up shit to me. I know what it's like to be in difficult situations. I know I I am. If anything else, I'm an embodiment and an example of what it means to transform. I was being a victim. I can't do anything. Can't get out of this situation. It looks convincing, but I was ising the situation. This is hard. I can't do anything about it. It's not true. Just like with depression, just like with anxiety, just like PTSD, all these things that we that we've been told, oh, you can't get rid of them. Just like your body shape. It's like all of this stuff doesn't make it true just because it's widely accepted in the world doesn't make it true for you. You can be different. That's the motherfucking stand I'm taking in the
0: world. <laughs> mm. I love it. And um, li- listening to all of this, I-, I was just trying to relate it to the people who I deal with on a, a daily and weekly basis, basically all of my client base. And uh, I can definitely see how, all of this information could potentially be very influential for them to help them move past their barriers especially around emotions because something which i struggle or something which uh, my clients struggle is dealing with emotions when it comes to doing behaviors which doesn't align with the goals which they're trying to achieve such as i can't be i feel lazy to walk i have uh, i'm stressed so i feel i've got a craving uh, all of these kind of things all emotions led right but i'm firmly a big believer in not or trying to coach them or trying to get them a be- get them to have a better understanding about their emotions because i use the example if someone cuts you off on the road you don't run up behind them and just smash into them if your boss shouts at you or has given you a disciplinary or whatever You don't smack him around the mouth. But when you come when you come home and you're stressed and you're craving, you go and reach for some foods. And that's like the first two situations you physically stop yourself from doing a particular action, even though you feel that you want to. However, when you're at home and when it comes to your steps or sticking to your diet, you feel like you don't want to do it. Uh, uh, So you feel like you want to cheat on your diet, whatever, and you just go for it. And a lot of people, I think they're under the impression that they are in that they have no control over their, over their emotions and they're heavily influenced by them. And um, have you got any, I'm going to say practical tips, but since this is something which a lot of my audience is going to be struggling with when it comes to emotions, is there any like practical tips you can give them to, I don't know, help them not be led by them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I don't have any practical tips. So that's, that's just to mention that first because I don't think anyone needs them. Here's the reason why. You use the example of, did you smack your manager in the mouth? No, because we're already masters of our thoughts and feelings. I love using like silly examples to, to paint this picture, right? So let, let me ask you this, Ryan. You got any strong feelings about grapes?
0: No, not really.
1: Yeah, no, you know, you know, if, if someone says grapes, you're gonna, you know, start screaming and running around
0: like, yeah, grapes. I've got a bit of anxiety, but that's about it. I'm not joking, now. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, you're a good time, man. Um, <laughs> so, so when it comes to grapes, you haven't got super strong feelings, okay? Do you like grapes though? Like, would you would you eat them?
0: Yeah. No. What, what's your favorite type of grape? Um, I would say have you, they've got them bubblegum ones. Have you seen them? I have not, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so those ones.
1: All right. I like um, this thing, it's called sable grapes that you usually get in Waitrose. They're the big black grapes with no seeds in them. They're, um, oh, anyway. So let's say it's one o'clock in the morning. You wake up and you're thinking about grapes for whatever reason, doesn't matter why. How likely are you on a scale of one to 10? One being not likely at all, or 10 being extremely likely. How likely are you to get up and find the nearest 24 hour place where you can get grapes and go and get them?
0: If I, what's the situation? Sorry, if you I wake
1: up at one o'clock in the morning and you're thinking about grapes,
0: oh, I reckon there's probably a high chance. If I'm really, probably not actually, not if it's one o'clock in the morning, yeah, no, yeah
1: just because you're thinking about it and just because you feel like having it doesn't mean that you're gonna get out go out of your way to go and get it no i'll give you another example if, if anyone has ever felt like slapping someone in the face but didn't do it same thing we're already masters of our thoughts and feelings we make the rules but we made most of us are living our lives according to rules written in a child's handwriting when we were young There was a rule invented by ourselves, which was chocolate makes me feel good. So anytime I get to have it, I'm going to have it. There was another rule written about work. In order to decompress from work, I'm going to play nine hours of video games, or I'm going to eat this food, or I'm going to go and have pizza. The rules that we're living our lives according to have been written in our our childlike handwriting. We're living our lives according to rules written when we were seven, eight, 10 15 25 years old they don't have to be that way so my practical tip is you can rewrite the rules of your life i've got a manifesto of my own i'll share it with you if you want later on
0: yeah i'd be interested to see that yeah um well cool. now i think it makes sense i think it makes sense do you ever find, I'm sure when people come to you, they're more receptive to these kinds of ideas and they've seen your content, et cetera, but I can imagine there's going to be a bit of resistance with people who are obviously new to this type of information. Have you ever dealt with that like, or tried to not convince someone or enlighten someone and they were a bit resistant to this kind of stuff? And Like, oh, just tell me what to do and make me better.
1: Yeah, so um, like I mentioned earlier, I don't work with everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I want the kind of business where it doesn't feel like work, and um, I've created that. I, all of my clients, are, they're like family to me. I'll hang out with my clients sometimes, just go and get food, or after a session, we might go hit the sauna steam room. The, you know, I took one of my clients' husbands to kickboxing class yesterday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this is this only happens in in my world because I'm taking a very strong stand against what I don't think is helpful or effective. I'm making sure that anyone who pays a significant investment of time, money, effort, and energy to work with me. I'm making sure that anyone who's even thinking or considering working with me before they pay me any money, I'm making sure that they've got a very good experience of what I do. I spend four to six hours with people before we even talk about working together. Hmm. So they've got a very deep experience of what to expect. And when they pay me, then it's a whole different ball game because now their commit now their, their commitment is super high to what they said they want to have. So when people say, uh, if they're resistant to this stuff, cool. There, there's other coaches out there going and hire them. You might come back to this later on. Uh, if if someone someone once said to me, "Yeah, but and I don't think that's true," I said, "Okay, I'm not here to convince you." It's not whoa. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not trying to take agency and choice away from anyone. It, it took me a while to be open to this. I get why people don't want to look in this direction. It's difficult to hear that your thoughts and feelings are meaningless. It can be very difficult to hear that you are not who you think you are. It can be very difficult to hear that reality is very separate to your feelings about it. It's very difficult to hear that everything is neutral. Very difficult. Some people, they would look at me and say, he's the devil. Good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be an instigator of trouble for, for the sake of it. But if you don't like this stuff, great. Like, go find something else. I'm just looking in one direction, which is called capital T truth. Non, it's non-subjective, objective truth. For example, what goes up must go down. It's, an, it's a capital T truth. You ain't getting around it. Same with this. And people are going to debate that too. That's totally cool. I'm not here to convince anyone. I just know how effective this is for performance, mental health, relationships, anything. Then it comes back to the infinite power that we've got inside of us. When you turn down the outside world, the volume of it, you completely turn it down, you really start to access something amazing. There's this thing called cancel culture. I don't really understand it. Yeah, I'm not trying to get into it. But um, one of my mates says to me, he's an influencer. He goes, I can't say certain things on my Instagram channel. I said, why? He goes, because of cancel culture. I go, all right. Well, let's have a little Star Wars moment here. Search your feelings and you know it to be true or false. Is it true? What you believe? He said, yeah. He said it will help a lot of women. Said, all right, cool. Why aren't you saying it? Because I'm scared. All right. Well, what happens if you get cancelled? Oh, my business is in danger, all right. But the people that are supporting you—it sounds like they're—they're not the ones who are going to cancel you or stop buying your service. You know, like when we zoom out of the way the world is or looks, we can see what choice and agency we have. And the most powerful person in the world world is the one who 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 um, desires nothing. Desire means not wanting your thoughts or feelings to be different. If we can operate from that place, then the world looks like a playground. And that's where you can start having fun.
0: Something which I ask every guest on my episode is, and I'm going to use the word tip again, even though you wasn't really that excited about the word before, but if you had to give one tip for the listeners, just to help them level up mind and body as we are muscles and mindfulness, what would you give them? One actionable tip. The
1: thing that's brought about the most transformation for me, the, 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 easiest, uh, and the easiest way to put it is forgive often and forgive quickly. Yourself and other people. If you didn't go to the gym today, stop beating yourself up about it. It doesn't mean anything about you. You didn't go to the gym today means you didn't go to the gym today. Stop making it mean stuff. The meaning that you landed on in your head is your feelings reality isn't it, it was neutral you didn't go you didn't go drop it stop like the thing that's helped me the most are having like my one-on-one coaching is full and I don't have any space to take on any more clients I've sold out my intensive I've sold out my retreat I'll sell out the next intensive very soon these things are only happening because I'm forgiving myself instantly I'm dropping all of this stuff that I'm holding against myself and it's not getting in the way of what me, what I'm creating. That's the easiest thing that I can say. And if you drop, if you're willing to play that game of being your own best friend and biggest cheerleader and best supporter, then the world is a playground. You know, like kids are a great example of this. I've seen a baby shit their pants, crying about it. And then two seconds later, start giggling that's called instant forgiveness that's the level of instant forgiveness i want to have on me mm. and that's what makes my life very easy and playful and fun to be in and that's what i'd give to everyone i'd say if i could if i could come into your life and give you something it would be that because it's wonderful
0: mm. that's beautiful and that's uh, one of my values is to have self-compassion and for my company as well uh, for my coaching company, to have self-compassion because failure is going to happen, and beating yourself up about it obviously doesn't benefit anybody. Um, so cool. And lastly, where can everybody find you?
1: Yeah. Um. So I've got um, Instagram is Sachin's Insights. Um. I got a YouTube channel is called Life Coach Reacts. Um. I'm on Facebook, and just my name Sachin Sharma. You just find the link in my Instagram. Um. Yeah, I've am replied to all of my DMs and I like conversation with people. Excuse me. I live for conversation with people. So um, if, if if this podcast, if you've heard something here that has challenged you or that you, you're not sure about or you want to hear more about or you want me to recommend someone that you, that you can look into if this stuff's helpful, I'm happy to do that. You do not need to pay me to do that. I live for it. I live in service. So make my day and dm me (laughs) and also before we go can i have another minute of your time of course i want to acknowledge you for what you're creating here the conversation space that you're creating for people to listen to is going to impact their lives massively and the fact that you're doing this without charging money for it the fact that you're doing this without um you know harassing guests to 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 sell stuff for you or whatever Uh, And I say that because other people have asked me to do that. Other people have asked me, can you come on my podcast and help me sell something? The fact that you're doing this out of I want to help is beautiful. And I I want people to understand the way you came into this conversation, because they probably won't see that. You came to me, you asked me, can you be on my podcast? We talked a little bit and you said, yes, this will be really helpful for the people that I serve. That's nothing short of remarkable. And I want you to hear that. And I want the audience to hear that. This is who Ryan is being. And is amazing. Thank you for being that for all of us.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> You're going to make me well up. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. And um, it's been a great conversation. And I can attest that I had, I all I did was send uh, Sachin a DM. And then the day later or the same day, was on a call. He was, we was talking for like 15 minutes and he was just being really helpful. So yeah, he's not joking when he said, when he says DM him, have a chat. And I'm sure he's open to speak about all of this stuff and more. So thank you again for coming on and um, yeah. Speak to you soon.
1: Thanks for having me, brother.